Welcome to today's health seminar. I'm Fernando. I welcome you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the temple of God. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father God, that you have said that if we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that you will come in with us and have dinner with us. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, all three of you will be in my house, Lord. So I welcome you, Lord. And excuse me, Lord, while I clean up around the edges and tighten up the temple of God, Father, by exercise, more fiber, and study what the truth is about health, Lord. So we have our brother that's going to help us right now. A doctor is going to explain to me what do I need to do to keep toned up and keep the house clean so that we can be of better energy and better usage for your purposes and for your glory, Father. So we ask you to give us success as we understand the truth, and the truth will set us free as we understand from a doctor's point of view the challenges that we're facing in today's society. Lord, give us success in this project, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's a clip we'll be listening to. It's got a lot of diagrams and so forth, but you can imagine them. He's talking very clear. And we're talking about the inside fat of the belly and the outside fat and what it's taking. It's a very short video, about 10 minutes, I believe. So please listen up. You may have to take notes and listen to it over and over again. And you may even look it up. The beauty of education on YouTube, you know, that is such a blessing. Again, it's Dr. Arsalan, A-R-S-A-L-A-N, and last name is Aspires, A-S-P-I-R-E-S. And he does a great job in, in dedicating himself to, to helping us understand our bodies and our goals. In Jesus' name, here we go. Thank you. And we also have in this clip other doctors. We have Dr. Mandel that talks about basics of what we should do and know and understand. Here we go. God bless these people in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we go. Dr. Arsalan Aspires, A-S-P-I-R-E-S. How to lose visceral fat. The signs behind targeting this serum. Here we go. Now, without wasting any more time, let's get straight into it. There is a reason why visceral fat is called hidden fat, because you can be skinny and thin, but still pack on a decent amount of visceral fat around the abdominal region. Just because you can't see the fat doesn't mean your organs are not surrounded by it. And fat cells do more than just simply store energy and keep us warm. They also produce hormones and inflammatory substances. For example, visceral adipose tissue produces more pro-inflammatory cytokines like TNF-alpha and IL-6 and less adiponectin. And that's a problem because these changes impact insulin resistance and puts us at a risk of developing atherosclerosis, which we know is what thins out and hardens our arteries, affecting our blood flow and circulation. And it doesn't just stop there. There is a theory about visceral fat called the portal theory that explains how visceral fat releases inflammatory markers and fatty acids that end up traveling down the portal vein into the liver, which in turn 
may cause fat buildup in the liver, making the liver become more insulin resistant, which leads to type 2 diabetes. And a good way to illustrate visceral fat is by comparing apples to pears. And what do I mean? Let me show you. You see, visceral fat makes the belly stick out or gives a person an apple shape. So you'll store more fat in the upper region, belly and chest. But if you're a pear shaped, you'll tend to store the fat in the lower extremities, for example, hips, thighs, and buttocks as subcutaneous fat. For a quick measurement, you wanna take one of these for men, aim for a waist circumference of less than 40 inches or 102 centimeters. And for women, aim for less than 35 inches or 89 centimeters. We tend to base a lot of our results off a scale, which is not reliable. It's helpful, but you shouldn't base your results only on a scale, which we know does fluctuate about five or six pounds per day. And remember, you wanna measure from the top of the waist bone and don't suck in your gut. You wanna relax and stick it out and take an average of two to three measurements to get somewhat of a baseline. So go ahead and do that now. It can be uncomfortable, especially if you've never done it before, but you can pause the video and write down what those results are so you can make this video a practical one. Don't let it be another video you watch and forget. So now that we have some background, let me give you some good news before I get into the three tips. And although you can't directly target a certain area of fat in the body, for example, only the belly or only the flappy arms or the double chin, what we do know is that visceral fat can be easier to lose than subcutaneous fat. Yes, that's correct, easier to lose. This is because it's believed that it metabolizes quicker and your body can get rid of it in sweat and in urine. And although exercise is a huge takeaway to get the ball rolling, even if it's those short bits of walking, my first tip that doesn't include exercise is avoiding those sneaky trans fats that can still be out there. Now, if you're in the US, the FDA has banned them. But here's the catch. Some products label their products trans fat free as long as there are fewer than 0.5 grams of these fats per serving. And if you're outside the US, Trans fats can be part of your daily diet and you might not even know it. A good tip is don't eat foods that have any partially hydrogenated items on the ingredients list. Cakes, cookies, frozen pizzas, and pies. Check those labels. And by far one of the most interesting studies on trans fats causing visceral fat change was actually done on monkeys over six years. And they found that trans fat led to visceral fat even in the absence of caloric excess and were associated with, guess what? Insulin resistance. The second tip to lose visceral fat without exercise is to increase your soluble fiber intake. Only 5% of men and 9% of women are getting the recommended daily amount of dietary fiber. That means more than 90% of the US aren't getting enough fiber. And how much is enough? This chart shows a good representation. 38 grams a day for men and 25 grams a day for women. And if you're 51 or older, then it's lower to 30 grams a day for men and 21 grams a day for women. And in this study with 1,114 people, increasing soluble fiber intake by 10 grams daily reduced the risk of visceral fat gain by up to 3.7%, which is awesome. And the last tip to lose visceral fat without exercise is reduce your stress levels not eliminate stress because stress is important for survival and we all need stress in order to get out of dangerous situations.
but not everyone can turn off these responses when that stress is no longer needed. Some research shows us that this may even be harder for women who already have a large waist in proportion to their hips, which we refer to as the hip-to-waist ratio, which is another marker of visceral fat. These women tend to produce more cortisol when stressed and can lead to central fat. And the thing with cortisol is that it doesn't distinguish between physical and mental stress. So having physical illnesses like diabetes can already drive up cortisol levels, becoming a vicious cycle. So it's important that you give yourself this time, if you haven't already, to find out what works for you today. Whether that is deep breathing techniques, finding a hobby you enjoy like gardening, writing in a journal, getting adequate sleep, finding a support system, daily exercise, and trying out a whole food plant-based diet can be a few changes that can actually help. And although there are obviously more ways to tackle down visceral fat, which I encourage you to write down what they are in the comment section below if you have any ideas, so we can actually have a discussion. I do believe you should also balance this out with other lifestyle changes, like aerobic exercise, increasing your probiotics, limiting your alcohol intake and quitting smoking, as well as intermittent fasting, which I will discuss soon. And now we're going to look at how to remove visceral fat using spices in your kitchen. That's kind of interesting, huh? So I pray that as I'm doing it for you, I will pay more attention. I had a couple of racks. We had racks of spices and they're starting to get old, so I give them away. <clears throat> but I wish I knew more about it just doesn't stick. Rosemary, cumin, all these spices that can be used on your food to elevate and raise up the, uh, to help the immunity, the immune system, and our metabolic burning rate. So here we go. This is Dr. You guessed it. Mandel. Mandel. Here you go. Isn't that wonderful? That wonderful that we have YouTube. Welcome everyone, Dr. Mandel here. Uh, this is a live feed, and I hope that you enjoy this program. This program is all about finding specific, simple ingredients that you have in your cabinet, uh, in your 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 kitchen, that you or your pantry. You can just pull out and start using it right away that can start increasing metabolism, to start losing weight, to start becoming more healthier. This is the fat that surrounds the viscera, primarily the stomach, the intestines, the pancreas, the liver. And when we walk around with too much visceral fat, this leads to a lot of conditions like metabolic syndrome, uh, diabetes, high blood pressure, a weakened immune system, autoimmune problems, uh, problems when it comes down to even our skin, psoriasis, dermatitis, uh, fatigue, tiredness, problems in digestion, uh, clogging of our arteries, visceral fat, the majority of visceral fat comes from too much calories, generally in sugars. When we have too much sugar, sugar gets stored as glycogen in the muscle and liver, and any excessive turns into fat and gets stored in adipose tissue. But when we pass that threshold of fat, the liver starts to fill up with fat as well. 
called the fatty liver. And most non-alcoholic fatty livers, it comes from too much sugar. The majority of all weight gain comes from imbalance of hormones. Not so much calories in, calories out. I still believe in that. You know, a lot of doctors don't. I do feel, yes, if you're overkilling yourself with calories, it's got to go somewhere and it's going to get stored as fat. But the most important thing is trying to keep insulin levels lower. It's a very important thing. So where does this take us? How can we speed up our metabolism? What are the things that we can do? Well, we know that exercise is excellent. Exercise, anaerobic exercise, walking, riding a bike increases our metabolic rate. And we also know that there are many types of stimulating, stimulant foods, herbs, spices, things that we can do, and other things that we can do to help increase satiety. Now, for those that don't know about satiety, satiety means, by definition, a way that we're content. But there are hormones involved. You have ghrelin, which is your, 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 your craving, your food cravings, and you have leptin, which is your satiety hormone. The first thing that I'm going to start out with that I'm a big, big believer with, and where did she go? Okay. Right here. Right here is extra virgin olive oil. Extra virgin olive oil is extremely healthy for our body because of the fact that in order to lose weight, you have to have healthy fats. Your body's composed of fats, your cells, your brain, your tissues need good fats. Healthy fats like extra virgin olive oil, avocados, nuts, those, those oils are satiating. Not only are they satiating, they're healing. That will increase your metabolic rate. This means it will actually slow down the digestion that comes out of the stomach into the small intestine. Now with this, what can you do? Well, a lot of people uh, will can drink it up like this. I've done a video that you can add Himalayan salt because I love Himalayan salt and olive oil. People have gotten great results with that. And there are other things you can add to olive oil as well. You can add lemons or limes. Here's a lime. You can add all kinds of, uh, uh, you know, fruits to squeeze in there. But olive oil, don't ever underestimate it. It's extremely healthy. And those people who drink olive oil, those countries that stay with olive oil, like Greece, Italy, have the lowest cardiovascular diseases in the world. The lowest cardiovascular disease, so olive oil, oleic acid, what this has inside you, the antioxidants, can do wonders for the cells of our body. But I want to bring this up for losing weight because it is important. So the next thing I want to go into that everyone knows about is apple cider vinegar. Now, it's the acetic acid in apple cider vinegar. Does this actually help burn fat? Not directly. Indirectly, it does. Because apple cider vinegar has an effect with your blood sugar levels. And if your blood sugar levels stay steady, that means your insulin levels are not going to jump up, and that means your assimilation of, of glucose into the cells is going to be easier for the body. So it's proven that people who have insulin-resistant type 2 diabetes or even higher sugar levels by drinking apple cider vinegar with a glass of water diluted to a tablespoon can actually sustain normal sugar levels, prevent that spiking, and get better assimilation. Most people who have insulin-resistant or those who have a hard time uh, with too much sugar, you get that surge of energy and you get real tired, okay, because you're getting that drop. So these spikes and these drops is what's leading to potential more problems, which can lead to pre-diabetes as well. So I love, uh, I love lemon lime. Um, I think it's a great thing to use 
with your apple cider vinegar. You can put a little bit of honey if you want to sweeten it up. You can actually, I love just a, a glass of warm or room temperature glass of water and squeeze a lemon in it first thing in the morning. It really cleanses you. It cleanses the lymphatic system. It cleanses the liver and actually helps procure the enzymes for better digestion that when you eat, you're gonna have better digestion, you're gonna have less gas and less bloatiness. Another thing that was asked the other day was if I'm really bloaty, what's the best thing to do? You can do water and lemon, but if you're bloaty, you're usually taking too much sodium and you wanna eat more potassium rich foods like avocados or bananas or other potassium rich foods, which you can Google, that will take your bloatiness out. It will get rid of your, your, your sodium retention and that will take your bloatiness away. And that really works. Just drinking plain water is a great diuretic. So if you are bloated and you are retaining fluid, even though it's not fat, you're walking around with an extra five pounds, um, drink lots of water. The water will flush. Don't think that because you're bloated, don't drink water. If you don't, it gets worse. Water works as a diuretic. It will help get rid of that bloatiness. Very, very important. Now there's a few important things I love. Now let's talk about going back to the gut. We know that the gut-brain connection is there. We know that the gut and the immune system is there. We know that the gut, called the microbiome, we know that the large intestine, all right, stores those probiotics, those good, healthy bacteria. So if you're eating excessive sugars, not only are you gonna affect insulin resistance, pre-diabetes, diabetes, inflammation, uh, potential problems within your arteries, placking in the arteries. Remember, sugar is extremely, extremely inflammatory. You need to understand that. I'm not talking about fruit sugars if you have it with the fiber. I am talking about fruit juice. Fruit juice and sugar are sugar. You need to have the fiber. Your fruits, your vegetables, this is what's going to reverse insulin resistance or type 2 diabetes. You need to decrease the excessive amount of saturated fats because excessive saturated fats is linked directly to insulin resistance and diabetes. That's what they're finding because the fat, those excessive saturated fats are clogging the cells on the receptors. And when insulin gets to it, it can't make its way into those cells. And we get a backup of insulin, therefore a backup of glucose, and we then start having too much sugar in our blood. But if you start having more fibers, and this is one of my favorites right here, is the old chia seeds, and you need to start having more fiber. I love chia seeds. Why do I love chia seeds? And this is all going to make sense. It's all going to come together. I hope you're listening. This is really good stuff. If you just tuned in, thank you for tuning in. I'm Dr. Mandel. This program is really going to help you and your family. You are in a live chat right now. You've got a thousand people right now in our chat room. But again, my goal is to put this back on the channel. If you are listening right now, obviously it's there. But let's go. Chia seeds. What does it do? Well, if I take out a chia seed, I'm not going to take it out, but everyone knows what a chia seed looks like. Um, let's take it out anyways. Okay? Let's make it a little bit more entertaining. Oh, they're so little. Um, let's not take it out. Because they're so little, it's like the size of a gnat. One chia seed is like the size of a gnat. But did you know that when you take this chia seed and you put it in water, it starts to fill up. As it starts to expand, that water content is what we call soluble fiber in the chia seed. But let me tell you why that's important. Because if you have high cholesterol, this will lower your cholesterol. That's right. Because the cellular fiber, soluble fiber binds with the excessive cholesterol 
it helps excrete it out of the system. Soluble fiber, as well as insoluble fiber, helps constipation. It helps bloating. It helps IBS. It helps prevent cancer. It prevents auto intoxication. Yes, people may talk about lectins, all right? But you don't have to worry about lectins when you're having a tablespoon of, of chia seeds. If you're gonna eat all foods with lectins all day long, then I'd worry about it, okay? But when you're eating a healthy diet and you have to look at the cons versus the pros, all right? You have to look at the, the pluses versus the negatives, but you wanna increase your soluble fiber, why? because it helps sustain normal insulin and glucose levels. Fiber slows the absorption of the stomach into the small intestine. You can take any food and you can pick at it, all right? You can find some negatives on any food, but look at the positives. Look how much, what, look what it's gonna do for you. It's gonna keep you satiated. Here's my question for you. Are you gonna get sick and die from lectins or are you gonna get sick and die from obesity? And that's a question you need to ask yourself. Because obesity is a silent killer. People who are heavily obese have a lot of health issues. That's the way it is. Not only here in America, throughout the entire world, trust me. I see it, I read it, I read PubMed every day, and I see what goes on out there. You need to have a strong microbiome. You need to keep that immune system strong. You need to feed the probiotics. And what does this do? Fiber, okay, it doesn't have to be chia seeds black seeds, fruits, uh, pectin from apples, but your soluble fibers and those fibers are going to feed the, 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 the probiotics. And so what are, what, are these, what are these fibers? Those are called prebiotics. Ah, so in other words, that is the candy for the probiotics. Everyone likes candy, right? Okay, but if I was probiotics, I'm filled with good bacteria, what happens when you eat too much sugar? your microbiome becomes weaker, becomes more inflammatory. You start developing more gut problems because now you start developing candida, candida albicans, yeast infections. Women, you may have yeast infections all the time. Why? Because too much sugar. They feed on sugar. So you need to get rid of the sugar. You need to stop it because sugar is addicting. Sugar is the devil. I'm telling you, I lived it myself. I looked at my own blood work. I was eating chips at night. I know what it does to your body. It raised my cholesterol. It will raise your triglycerides. It will raise your low-density lipoproteins. It will raise your total cholesterol. I'm telling you that sugar is the evil devil. It is. Particularly as we get older, you need more fiber. Fiber will help you live a lot healthier, keep you more satiated, help supply the prebiotics to the probiotics. It will slow the absorption of the rate of the stomach into the small intestine. You'll have more normal, equal balance of glucose and insulin levels. You won't have that spiking. You're not gonna feel wound up. You're gonna have better concentration. How much more do you need? This is really simple material. It's easy. And I'm here to motivate you because I know it's gonna help you. You're no different than me or anyone else. So let's move on. So a couple of things I love, all right? While we're on fiber, if you don't wanna go with chia seeds, fine. Glucomanin, glucomanin from the konjac root, psyllium husk powder. These are great things, guys. You can just mix this in your smoothies. You can just take a tablespoon, mix it in your water. You can just drink it down. Try it 15, 20 minutes before you eat. You're not gonna eat as much. You're saying, well, how do I lose weight? Cut your meals in half. Use a smaller plate. 
eat more fiber. Drink water before you eat. Don't drink it while you're eating. You're going to dilute the enzymes. And then you're going to have more gas, more bloating, and more other problems. These are real simple things that's going to make a huge difference for you. There's a lot of great things that you can take for digestion. For those people who have bad digestion, take proteolytic, take, take a proteolytic enzyme, something that has the lipase, you know, the proteases, uh, the papayas in there that will actually help digest the carbs, the fats, the proteins. Remember, as we get older, our enzymes become diminished. And this is really important. This is very important now. Okay, think about this. So if we have less enzymes, what happens? We have less, we have worse digestion. So what are we doing when we're taking processed and refined food? We're taking foods that normally should have the enzymes in it as if it was a whole fruit or a vegetable and we're putting it in our body and it works fine. But we're eating lots of processed box foods, cereal foods, all those types of processed refined foods, no enzymes. It's dead, there's no fiber. So what do we do? We put the demand upon our own enzymes in our own body that's already depleted that can't take care of the job. So therefore, what happens? We become more depleted. We start developing more symptoms because we're not having the digestion. And those people who are taking supplements, if you don't have good digestion, you may not be assimilating your supplements. You may not be getting the assimilation of your calcium. And what about those people who are on acid, on, on proton pump inhibitors or acid blockers? You need that acid to digest proteins. You need that acid for calcium to be absorbed in the bones. So you need to look at what you're doing. So why am I bringing that up? Because I've helped thousands of people say, okay, if your doctor puts you on a proton pump inhibitor because you're having a, a, a acid reflux, or you're having gastritis, then you take some apple cider vinegar, dilute it in water, it has a pH of two to three, and you drink it. That gives you more acidity. It helps digest your proteins better. It helps assimilate calcium better. But if you're taking out all the acidity out of your stomach because you want to just feel better, and now you're still, you're still potentially having that, that acid reflux because the purpose, the main research that shows today on acid reflux is not, is not a little bit of acid. I'm sorry. It's, it's the little bit of acid that's the reason why people are getting more acid reflux because the research shows that when you have acid, either bait chain HCL or, or apple cider vinegar or lemons, something that's more acidic, the, the sphincter, lower esophageal sphincter, right here, okay? That sphincter then starts to tighten up again. But when you have less acid, the sphincter becomes looser. So you get more reflux. So because you're taking away that acid feeling, you haven't solved your problem. Let's move on. So gas belching, indigestion. Now, I love another thing, uh, lecithin. For those who are trying to lose weight, uh, lecithin is a great thing. Why? Because what lecithin does, it helps break fat apart easier. It's like, it's like the fast, it's like the fast worker. It just breaks it apart easier. So lecithin is an emulsifier, a fatty emulsifier, emulsifier helps break it apart uh, faster. You can do research on lecithin. A lot of people haven't heard about this. Lecithin is actually in the egg yolks, I believe. But uh, lecithin is a great thing that your body uses and needs, and it can do a lot of wonderful things. Yeah, people who uh, mention about calcium, of course, vitamin K2 uh, with vitamin D 
is a good thing to help absorb calcium into the bones, not getting into the tissues. Uh, another great thing, and a lot of you have looked at my videos on weight loss. Um, I love cinnamon. Cinnamon regulates as a lot of factors, but it helps regulate blood sugar levels. Remember, when blood sugar levels go high and insulin goes high, it's hard to lose weight. So it's really important, not only for our body, for our health, for our pancreas, for our organs, uh, we can't afford to have high blood sugar and walk around with it. Um, okay, so let's go into a couple quick little things. I love cayenne pepper. Cayenne pepper is a metabolic booster. Uh, not only cayenne pepper, uh, pretty much all your chili peppers, even your paprika, it has, uh, you know, it's, it's got the metabolic booster in there that's actually going to increase your, your metabolic rate. Um, so don't, if you like little spicy stuff, start using this. It makes a huge difference. This really makes a huge difference when it comes down to cayenne pepper, paprika, your chili peppers. There's a lot of different peppers out there, but use those hot peppers because that is really a great booster. It's a capsaicin that we're talking about. The capsaicin is the key element in these chili peppers and in the uh, cayenne pepper that really makes a huge difference. So um, there's a lot of things you could do, guys. You could, you know, take your, your, your lemons, your limes, and use them because they are great cleansers. And I'm, a, and I'm a big believer that people say, well, how can a lemon help burn fat? Well, let me just explain it to you this way. How can your body burn fat if it's toxic? You got a clean house before things work good again. So if you're toxic, you've been eating lots of refined processed foods for a long period of time, um, and you got a lot of toxicity in your liver, you may have a fatty liver, and I can guarantee you that if you're 30 pounds overweight or more, you have a fatty liver, I can guarantee you have a fatty liver, and you're not metabolizing things correctly because your liver does like over 500 different metabolic, uh, different things within our body. Um, it, it, and by the way, if you're having a problem with your cholesterol and your cholesterol is too high, you're trying everything and it's not working, you need to get on your fiber, okay? But you need to cleanse your liver because your liver is what produces the majority of all the cholesterol in our body. So generally, if I have a healthy liver and I ate three eggs every day, I'm gonna have healthy cholesterol. If you don't have a healthy liver and you ate three eggs every day, you're gonna, have, you're gonna probably have a high cholesterol level. So what I'm telling you is that when you eat cholesterol foods, like your eggs, because a lot of people may knock eggs not, I'm not here to tell you to eat them or not to eat them. That's just a preference. Let's be respectful to everyone, okay? But eggs as a whole food, it's got a lot of nutrients in there, all right? Particularly the yolk. It's got the lutein for the eyes. It's got the zeaxanthin. It's got the choline. It's got the inositol. It's got the lecithin. It's got everything complete in there, what it can do for the health and wealth of our body. But uh, getting back to the cholesterol, um, I like silly mirin. I like milk thistle. Um, I think it's great when it comes to cleansing. People who have high bilirubin has been really, really effective uh, in that, what I've seen in the past. Uh, but you really need to cleanse and get on your, your lemons. Your lemons, your, your, your citric acid, your limes are so healing for your body. It's really healing. And I challenge you, if you've never really done this before, just take a lime and water uh, or a lemon and water and drink it about 15 minutes before you eat. You're going to really see changes in your digestion. You're going to see bloating go down. 
you're going to feel so much better. I'm telling you, it's a real simple thing to do. I do it all the time. I'm religious on it. It makes a huge difference. It's so cleansing. And the difference is, is that you're getting the enzymes. No, the, the artificial lemon stuff or the lemon squeeze that's sitting in your refrigerator, don't, no, don't do it. You got to use it whole. Remember, enzymes, enzymes, enzymes. Without enzymes, we don't live, we don't function right, okay? And so if you're eating that processed refined foods, remember all of that processed refined foods, all those excessive carbs are turning into sugars. And those abundance of sugars are trying to get stored in your body that are not there to not being burned. And they get stored as glycogen, but the muscle and the liver can only store so much. So if we have the sugars in there, that means our insulin levels are already up. The insulin is trying to get the sugar into the cells. It can't get in because eventually it becomes resistant, okay? And one of the biggest things, and I'm telling you, I have good friends on keto diet, and I'm not gonna tell you, I'm not gonna go into that in this program, but you need to understand that the latest research shows that too much excessive saturated fat leads to insulin resistance. And if you don't believe me, I want you to research it right now or when we get off, okay? So, so here we go, just in review. If you just tuned in with us, you're gonna to wanna to listen back on this program again. We talk about olive oil or apple cider vinegar. Apple cider vinegar is a great cleanser. You can mix this with different uh, uh, spices with your cinnamon, your lemon, your, your, your honey. And don't knock honey, guys. Um, a little honey is good for you. It's got uh, antiviral, antibacterial, antifungal properties. It's the whole state. Uh, honey is different than refined sugar. As far as I'm concerned, anything that's produced naturally is much better than someone who's taking something and processing it and stripping it out. Because once you strip those, the, the fiber out, you're stripping out the enzymes and the enzymes is the key to life. So I hope that you enjoyed this program. We will definitely uh, be back here giving you great more more information for you, your family to keep you healthy. God bless you and bye-bye now. How to avoid gaining weight after weight loss? It's an important question because regaining weight that you already lost can result in your body fat percentages increasing over multiple yo-yo cycles or what is known as weight cycling, which we wanna avoid. In this video, I'm gonna share with you five of my best tips when it comes to preventing weight regain so that you can maintain your weight loss and not regain it all back. If you guys are new here, this channel is all about helping you make informed decisions as well as be in the know when it comes to your health and wellness. And I would love for you all to gently tap on the like button down below. And if you really like the content, then consider subscribing as well. Also, if you guys are on Instagram, feel free to follow me there too. Now, without wasting any more time, let's get started. You see, in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, there is a general perception that almost no one succeeds in long-term maintenance of weight loss. However, research has shown that roughly 20% of overweight individuals are successful at long-term weight loss when defined as losing at least 10% of initial body weight and maintaining that for at least one year or more. Only 20%, and that's a problem. The studies show that every time you lose weight and regain it all back, you end up with more weight than what you had before the diet. It actually happens to one third of dieters as they regain more weight than they lost, making them heavier than they were before they even went on the diet in the first place. 
This further increases the complications that come with being overweight, and that's not what we want. So to begin, let's first define what a successful weight loss means. A successful weight loss maintainer is defined as an individual who voluntarily decreases 10% or more of their initial body weight and keeps the weight for one year or more. That's the goal here. And to begin with the first tip, you need to establish your power why. And what do I mean? Ask yourself genuinely, why do you want to lose weight? And don't just say because you want to be healthy. Take the time to visualize what that means. Do you see yourself hiking more, biking again, going on runs with your friends and family? Maybe it's to look and feel energetic and happy, or maybe it's just being there for your kids and grandchildren. You really have to identify what's really driving you. Because if not, you won't have a strong reason to anchor yourself in, which then leads to bad choices. And a lot of the times for some, it does have to be an external reason that grounds you in and not just for yourself, which is okay. Secondly, walking, brisk walking to be exact. In the Journal of Clinical Diabetes, it is found that brisk walking is the most common form of exercise reported by successful weight loss maintainers in the National Weight Control Registry, which by the way is a database of more than 4,000 people who have been able to keep the weight off. And research shows that an increase in leisure activity and steps per day are associated with weight loss maintenance. So the proof is in the pudding. And the good part about this is that it can be fun. Find a nice walkable trail in your neighborhood and start getting in your steps. And it doesn't have to be 10,000 steps. You can aim for half of that and find that to be easy over time and then you can gradually increase it to 10,000. Remember, it's not an all or nothing approach. Do what you can and do more over time. Thirdly, stop the mindless eating and switch to mindful eating. Think back at when you started to lose weight. You were super focused during that time, but then you reached your goal and that focus started to slip away. The truth is mindless eaters will consume a lot more calories than those that aren't distracted. And it's not just mindlessly eating in front of a TV, it's eating when you're bored too. If you're one that likes having food in front of your favorite show or eat when you have nothing else to do, be mindful of what that snack is gonna be. A good snack that you could actually have a lot of is celery, which has helped me get over eating chips, especially in front of the TV. The fourth tip is tracking your food until it becomes second nature. And what do I mean? If you've already been tracking your food while you were on a diet, let's say, you reached your goal, obviously you might be thinking, well, it's time to stop tracking. What you wanna do is, Keep tracking the food a little longer, only as a tool to help you find that maintenance first. You can go ahead and stop calorie tracking when you feel you can balance what you're eating with your own levels of hunger and fullness. And finally, the last tip I have is eat slower. The reason is that it takes about 20 minutes for our brains to register that we're full. If we eat fast, we can continue eating past the point where we're full. If we eat slowly, we have time to realize that we actually are indeed full and stop on time before that overeating occurs. And not to forget to mention, eating slow will also help you enjoy your food longer. You can get the same amount of great taste with your favorite snacks, but with less going into your stomach. If it tastes so good, why have it finished so fast, right? Now, another big advantage of this is that it leads to better digestion. Digestion actually starts in the mouth. So the more work you do up there, the less you'll have to do in your stomach, 
which can help lead to fewer digestive problems as well as help keep the weight off too. The fact of the matter is, after losing weight, your appetite increases and your body hangs on to fat for its dear life. This leads to weight gain, sometimes more than when you started out initially. Taking the steps I mentioned puts you five steps ahead of that to help prevent that weight from regaining itself. Also remember, managing stress and getting quality sleep are also critical here too. I can't stress that enough. Click the subscribe button down below if you found any value in this and comment down below if you have any tips and tricks to keep the weight off yourself. I'm more curious to hear from you. And until then guys, I'll see you on the next one. I can speak personally for